Welcome to episode number four of the Leapfrog Collective podcast, where we discuss best practices in the world of personal branding, content creation, and everything in between. These podcasts are published every Friday on the Leapfrog Collective website at leapfrogcollective.com and on your favorite podcasting platforms, including Anchor.fm, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. We're thrilled to have Emily Crookston with us today as our guest. Emily is the founder and owner of The Pocket PhD, where she does ghostwriting, developmental editing, and coaching for aspiring authors, all types of genres and, and work. Host of the Own Your Expertise series on LinkedIn, which is a really fantastic interview series, which I was a guest on a, a few months back. She has a really great personal brand, social presence on LinkedIn, over 3,400 followers, and really excited to get her thoughts on, on personal branding and the state of the publishing industry as we stand here in COVID uh, these days. So Emily, great to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about your business and about yourself. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I'm a ghostwriter. Primarily about 80% of my business is ghostwriting books and editing books. And then 20% of my business is working with blogging clients monthly on a monthly basis. I actually just hired a writing apprentice who's been helping me out a little bit with some of the smaller writing projects, which is immensely helpful. So I can focus on the big stuff and uh, bringing in the big clients. I've been in business now for almost five years. It'll be five years in May. I used to be a philosophy professor before this <laughs> nice. left academia, <laughs> started a business, which I think is kind of rare, but I really like it and it fits really well with my personality. I like being my own boss and I like the flexibility that I have. And in the past year, really, well, since June or so of last year, I've really been leaning into LinkedIn, like you said, and working on building my presence over there. So that's been kind of my COVID experiment, I guess you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I think LinkedIn is so valuable and so promising. It's, there's such a community feel there. And if you really are consistent and have a cadence that people understand and they know where to expect you and what to expect from you, it can be, can be really valuable. Um, Curious about your approach to goal setting and how you look at goals and, and how you go about that for yourself. Yeah, great question. This time of year, everybody's always thinking about goal stuff. <laughs> I like to set 90-day goals. I really like the cadence of every 12 weeks or so saying, okay, what are my two or three big projects that I'm going to try to move forward in 90 days? And I also like thinking about how do I want to feel 90 days from now? <laughs> Like, how do, where do I want to be in 90 days? So I do that kind of as a visioning practice every 90 days or so. But lately, I've also really been getting into thinking about, rather than goals, thinking about commitments. When we think about goals, there's a tendency to feel a sense of failure if we don't hit that goal. <laughs> of course. But yes. at the same time, like, I always felt weird setting goals in the beginning of my business because it was like revenue goals. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to make a million dollars. I have no sense of how I'm supposed to set these goals, you know? Um, and I think that can be a ca the case with a lot of goals that we set. We're, we're doing something new. What to expect? How many followers should I expect to be getting on LinkedIn every week? You have no idea until you try something and see how many you get. So I like the idea of commitments, which is like, I'm going to mm. do consistent action. What does that action look like? This is what I did with LinkedIn. I'm going to be there every Monday through Friday, once a day and consistency is the goal you know consistency is the thing that i'm doing but that's more of a commitment then i want to have ten thousand followers by june you know <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that kind of thing i like that a lot because those commitments 
turn into results. I mean, they turn into compounding results. Talk about that all the time. I preach it constantly. You're not gonna get instant gratification through content creation. If you're looking for that, you're barking up the wrong tree. It's much right. more so about compounding returns. And as you do it long enough over the course of time, it starts to build. Mm -hmm. And you know, where it was, you get 10 or 20 followers in a month. When you're getting started, you'll have 100, 200 a month down the road because it's just that compounding return. So I like the idea of commitments. That's a cool way to frame that. Where did you come up with that? Is it something you've read? Is it just something you've worked through on your own? Yeah, no, I wish I could take credit for it. I'm part of the What Works Network with Tara McMullen. She has the What Works podcast. Okay. Um, it's really her idea. She does this thing called the Commitment Blueprint. I've done that a few times. It's awesome. I think it's so smart. It's such a good way to think of a different mindset to goal setting that I really like. Yeah, it seems a lot more task oriented rather than so focused on outcomes. And mm -hmm. Yeah, too it's many, strategy, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's really nice. And I mean, outcomes are super important. You don't want to forget about the outcomes. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just, it's easier for me to focus on the stuff I can control because often <laughs> we can't control outcomes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, life happens far too often. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if the economy crashes, who knows? You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in terms of the publishing industry, I'm curious. I'm a big reader. I follow that a lot. And I'm curious how it shifted and what people's mm. consumption patterns have been. Are they reading more? Do you find mm -hmm. that you're having more clients come to you where they've had a book idea on the back shelf and on the back burner for a while, and now they're finally pulling the trigger on it because they've got nothing else to do, or they have the time that's opened up to do it? Yeah. Um, how things question. shifted? Great question. Yeah. I would say at the beginning of the pandemic, like last March, I was like, oh, I need to launch my online course right now because everybody's going to be sitting at home doing nothing. <laughs> it's a perfect time to write their book. <laughs> sure. So I put it out there, just put out my email to see what would happen. And, you know, I didn't make any sales. And I think it was partly because people were at home doing nothing except worrying yeah. about whether they were going to have a job in a month and how are they going to pay their bills and whether they were going to get sick, if people in their family were going to get sick and they need to take care of them. So there was a lot of stress in the beginning that was really detrimental to people's productivity. I heard from a lot of people, I can't even read, you know, I can't, I can't even focus on a book right now because it's sure. just crazy. And that's totally understandable. I was certainly all over the place and worried about the business and what the future was going to be like. Since then, I think people have definitely calmed down, probably starting in the fall. People have started to get back to more normal productivity levels. I think people would agree to that, assuming you didn't lose your job and assuming- right you have have all these great things happening for you which i do and you know so actually it's funny that you bring this up because i did just talk to a prospect today they were saying this is what we did we said okay well business is slow so we're gonna hunker down and write our book get our book idea going so they had a lot of time to think through this book idea that had been bubbling in their minds for like five years or so. It's happening mm. both sides of the spectrum is, is what I'm seeing. In terms of the publishing industry, the traditional publishing from what I'm hearing has really slowed down recently, just because anytime we have a, a situation of uncertainty in the economy, a publishing house houses are going to pull back. They're going to slow yeah, down sure. um, <laughs> and probably true with lots of industries. That one in particular, that's a shift that's been happening for years that people are moving more into self-publishing, at least mm -hmm. in the business book space. Most yeah. people are self-publishing these days. It's yeah. really easy with Amazon. It's kind of been a long time coming, I think, but I think the pandemic has pushed forward that that trend 
Do you feel like people are exploring other revenue streams apart from just book creation in terms of being authors? Are they turning to doing more freelancing to make ends meet? Or is there still a good enough balance there and a good enough market where they can push forward and get another book into the market and it's successful for them? That's a great question too. We're seeing a lot of people certainly starting side hustles if they didn't have one already. <laughs> so that translates into speaking gigs for a lot of people. A lot of people I think are moving in their businesses toward building communities because mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of need and want for yes. big for community right now right. and so that's be like the subscription services I'm seeing a lot more of that if you have a book basically a book is just a piece of a platform it's a piece sure. of your personal branding platform so yeah I mean I think you're right that people are thinking more strategically about writing a book. They're thinking harder about the business case. And I always encourage my clients to think about that, my prospects to think about that. Yeah. If the business case isn't there, you shouldn't be hiring me to help you write this book. <laughs> That's just, I'm honest about that. You know, yeah, I'm not going to take good. your money if you can't. <laughs> see a way to make it back for yourself right. because that's just doesn't make sense yeah of course um, there's a lot of resources and time that go in I mean, you need the need the investment on especially in something of that magnitude yeah. <laughs> that's a big project yeah exactly it's one thing to write a memoir or write a book for your grandkids because you just <laughs> want to leave a legacy yeah that's great, but don't come to me. To, <laughs> I'm not going to help you with that. Go do it yourself. It could take you 10 years. That's okay. Let's, you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But if you want to sell a book, if you want to increase your prices, if you want it to be credibility for you in the business world, that's a different animal. What promotional avenues are you really leaning in on in 2021, given the climate and where you're seeing a return from promoting to, to get new clients for your business or what you're seeing your clients doing and how they're promoting on top yeah. of self-publishing? Avenues. Well, LinkedIn, of course, is huge and it's been huge for me. I think it's going to be huge for a while. So I think that's a good place to put your energy and your time right now, for sure. Everybody's talking about Clubhouse. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> <The> shiny objects. <laughs> right. Shiny object. Everyone, you know, lots of people see, say really great things about it. I'm always skeptical with new social media. I'll hang back until. I feel like there's enough yeah. reason to join. I have my profile or whatever, but I haven't really gone on there to play with it. The thing about a new platform is always, if you're the first one there, <laughs> right? If you're the biggest in the first, yeah. you can yeah. you can really make it work for you if, if you're on top of that kind of thing. Just like people were on top of TikTok, you know, it's, it's, right. it's, it's like that. I see it as a shiny object. It's, it's not something to lean into at the moment. I'm doubling down basically on LinkedIn, or at least I'm gonna keep up with what I've been doing there. There. Podcast guest spots are huge like this. I'm really trying to do more of that this year, especially since speaking in person is not going to be a yeah. thing for another yep. while. Yep. <laughs> I'm holding off on putting my energy into that. And my sure. clients, I think, are doing the same. I could do webinars. If, if the opportunity arises, I'll certainly do it. But I'm not putting put a lot of effort into that. My own interviews and then the podcast interviews are big promotional things for me. I'm also thinking about doing a more of an interactive workshop of some mm. kind. The online course has been tough for me to sell, honestly. It's hard to take a course and, and make that work to write a book. That's just a hard thing. Like the online courses, when you're all by yourself and you're not accountable to anyone except yeah, you, right. doesn't work so well. I'm thinking about switching that up and doing something more interactive. That's um, great. Group, group coaching kind of. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's always good to have people going down the path with you that you yeah. can share ideas with and makes perfect sense. Learn from each other and, and work together. Clubhouse, 
It's fascinating to me. I got in a little messed around with it a few times. Yeah. It was yeah. interesting because I felt like the really small rooms where there were five, six, seven people were good. And yeah. because those conversations were smaller, you could actually interact with each other. It was easier to moderate. I moderated a couple of smaller rooms. But man, then there were these rooms of like 90 people who are moderators <laughs> and 200 people in the crowd. It's the strangest yeah. thing to me. You know, yeah. talk about like the difference between like being a megaphone on social and being a community builder and all those people seem like megaphones to me like they're just yelling yeah. at everybody i'm a multimillionaire. why aren't you you know <laughs> well no you're not or you wouldn't be doing this you, know? <laughs> right. like, you didn't mean, have time to be on clubhouse if you're a yeah yeah you, got, you have other fish to fry you know so right. i just seem so yeah. fake to me i don't know that's i'm with you i have a feeling that's in the pan after the pandemic are people gonna really want that kind of interaction Especially if there's an option to be back and have more in-person in interaction again. I just, yeah. we'll see. It's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's a weird one. Yeah. A lot of what we do at LeapFrog Collective is help people build their brands and find their voice and show the world who they are through content and through branding. And a big part of that and what we teach is LinkedIn. It's, it's really valuable. So what's your personal branding mantra, number one? And then number two is part of that, if someone was a college student or a young professional, or let's say somebody in transition who's never taken the time to create content or start to build their voice, where should they start? What's the first thing you would advise them to do? So I'll answer the second question first. I advise people to start with one platform, one social media platform where you want to just be there all the time. Right. Pick one. You can be on the other channels occasionally, but you don't need to worry about being everywhere all the time. That's, that's a huge time suck. And I don't see the value of doing that in most cases. Figure out where your clients are and show up there uh, regularly. <laughs> so people can, like you said earlier, predict where you're going to be. I also think there's a lot of value to writing a blog. I feel like there's been a shift in blogging since I've started. Most of my business in the very beginning was all blogging. I was blogging for people. And I think there's a lot of businesses now that don't even have blogs. There's a lot of businesses that don't even have full-blown websites. They have landing pages, <laughs> which is crazy to me. But the value of writing a blog in the beginning is huge because what you need more than anything in, when you're starting is content, content, content. You write a blog, you can take pieces of it and turn it into social media posts. You can take the, the big idea in the blog and talk about it on YouTube or Facebook Live. There's just so many ways to spin off the content you've created in a long form blog that I think can be really helpful to people. And having to think in terms of a thousand words or so, 500 to a thousand words, makes you think hard and deeply about an idea. <laughs> and that's what you need in the beginning to figure out what you're trying to sell, who you're trying to sell it to. It's a lot of clarifying work that you need to do in the beginning. So I think a blog is the, one of the best ways to play with ideas and see what works and what doesn't work for you and figure things out. It's interesting. There's been a turn away from that for some reason. I think there's a balance to strike for some people. Mm -hmm. Like a blog makes a lot of sense that they've got a really deep topic that they want to dig into and they can write a lot about it and, and explore all the different facets of it. Mm -hmm. And it's about patience level too. Yeah. <laughs> How patient yeah. they are to, to get things rolling. I've argued some recently in terms of building domain authority or getting attention back to your blog or to your website. If you're building one for yourself, it's almost as valuable to do what we're doing. I give backlinks back to everybody that comes on my show as a guest. And I ask the same of people that I go on their shows. And that's a quick yeah. way to, to drive authority and attention. It feels like a mixture of those is really good, but I totally agree with you that a blog mm -hmm. 
Why not? Why wouldn't you? Uh, if it's yeah. there to be done, you know? Yeah, I mean, I see that too. And I think the reason people go away from blogs is because they need so much social media content or they yeah. feel like they need to create all of that for social media. You can repurpose so much. I, I wish, you know, I yeah. didn't repurpose enough in the beginning. Sure. That's another really good tip. You, people don't realize how much you can, you can keep hitting your thing. You can keep hitting that horse. In fact, <laughs> you should <laughs> keep, keep hitting it. Like you yeah. should feel repetitive to yourself yeah. and right. that's hard. Right. Um, but you know, you want to be known for this thing. You talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it seems yeah. it seems so unnatural, and it seems yeah. annoying. Like yeah, I, you know, I it do does. it. I think I'm annoying everybody probably in my posts because I hit the same things every day. Yeah. But then, like the momentum's built from doing it, and yeah, only a per, only a percentage of your audience sees any post anyway, so they're right. not ever going to see it as repetitive in the right. same way that we would as as creators. So that's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that is a hard psychological uh, move to make. So on the flip side of that, what's something you would advise people not to do? You mentioned not digging into too many platforms at, at once. Is there something else that you would, would recommend that people stay away from? Or quick hit or quick fix that a lot of people do that they really shouldn't? Mm. Yeah. I mean, shiny object syndrome is huge in the beginning because you don't really know what you need to be doing. And so you think, oh, somebody's talking about this. I'll go do that. And somebody's talking about this. Let me go do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a really quick way to spread yourself too thin, confuse your clients, confuse prospects. So I always think don't go wide, go deep. But that's kind of my personality. Think about the one thing you do really, really well make sure you're known for that and keep doing it and don't try other things until you're sure <laughs> you've got that one on lock you know that is that's easy and then you can move to the next thing i think people try to build too fast i've been thinking about this a lot because i'm just starting to hire people and it's like how many people can I hire? Because now I feel addicted <laughs> to hiring and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I could hire three people right now. <laughs> that would make my life so easy. Yeah, sure. But then of course you have to figure out how to pay them and you got to right. make sure the money's still coming in. And that's pretty scary. I think it helps a lot to really focus in on what is your thing. <laughs> and it takes a lot of time to figure out what that is. And it's really in the, easy in the beginning because people are coming at you all the time saying, can you do this? Can you do that? Mm -hmm. Can you do that? And it's really tempting to be like, oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. That's, that's easy. But if you lose focus, uh, especially in the beginning, because you're jumping at the money, it's really hard to pull back. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to start everything at once. You don't need to launch all the things <laughs> at once. I get a lot of people coming to me who just started businesses and write, want to write a book. And I say, you do not need to write a book when you're trying to get a business off the ground. That's the last thing you want to do. I know you want credibility. There's lots of ways to get credibility and the book will still be there. And yeah, right. don't, don't write a book too early. That's another thing I would say. <laughs> I just really believe in crawl before you walk. That's the way that I explain it to people in Leapfrog is you have to get your feet under you first and figure out what your voice is. And not right. just that, you have to figure out what type of content am I comfortable creating? Right. If you don't like doing video and you're not comfortable in front of the camera, you should, to some extent, I would argue you need to fight through that and get comfortable because it's just reality. But yeah. also don't force it. If you're better at you know, writing text posts or you want to do slide decks or carousels, then do that. Lean in on those and because it will come through naturally if you're creating the type of content that you're comfortable creating. People can tell if you're forcing it. So, yeah, that's, that's right. 
you know. I really don't like video. I felt that push, like I was doing Facebook Lives for a while and trying to make myself do it. Ugh. But what I discovered is that I really like interacting with people on video. That's cool. I can do a, a conversation. So that's why I started the video series. This is how I'm going to be on video. I hate just talking to my computer in my room <laughs> by myself. <laughs> but have a conversation? Sure. <laughs> I like conversations. Yeah. So there are ways to do the content you want to do if yeah. you know, there's something about it that bugs you or makes you feel awkward and just getting started uh, that's other piece i just feel i've just yeah. got to get started you know get out yes. there and fail and be <laughs> terrible man my first video was so bad i look back at my first written posts and they were terrible but yeah. you're only going to improve by repetition you know? mm -hmm. so. yeah I, well, the best advice anyone ever gave me was to think of my business as an experiment and since then i've just been like yep yeah i like <laughs> that that falls on its face <laughs> different try to figure out what happened you know and try something new what do you do away from building your business and what are your hobbies what keeps you <laughs> occupied and i think it's always interesting to ask people because i feel like we're all workaholics uh, in this sphere of creating and building so yes the struggle is real not to be an a uh, workaholic when you're an entrepreneur, I think, because man, the most exciting thing I do is work on my business. Yeah, <laughs> to, right. me, you know, to me, that's <laughs> my favorite thing. It doesn't feel that much like work, but then, you know, you step back after taking three weeks where you haven't had a weekend off and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is work. <laughs> <laughs> there are other things I like to do. I practice a lot of yoga. So awesome. I do yoga five or six days a week. Cool. That keeps me sane. It's kind of like my hamster wheel. I need to move my body so that my brain will calm down because otherwise it just goes and goes and goes. <laughs> That's a big thing. I like taking walks. Uh, in, I'm in North Carolina. We have a lot of outdoors, nice outdoorsy stuff to do, um, which is helpful during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> about all you can do is take walks. Yeah. We take a lot of walks in the woods <laughs> and that's always fun and nice. But I've found myself doing a lot of that too. We yeah. have this safe streets program in Austin where some of the major streets are blocked off and you can actually now wow. walk around the neighborhoods without cars being able to go up and down the oh, blocks. And that's, perfect. That's yeah. pretty great. So we have a path that we've pretty much worn into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of the house and get outside the four walls every now and then. Totally. Yeah. The fresh air is so good for you. Your creativity, all that, you know, it's super yeah. important to have that. I won't say work-life balance because I don't know what that means anymore. Yeah, yeah. Those lines um, work, right? But, you know, you got to take a break. You can't just sit there and pound away at the computer all day. It's, it's not helpful. So what's your big project for 2021? What do you feel like you're leaning in on the most and you're most excited about as you go through the year? So I'm actually writing my own book this year. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. It's it's interesting. I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to make every blog post and every Medium article I write until June or something part of the book. So that's my strategy. I've been flailing around with <laughs> flailing my arms around with the topic. The topic is self-awareness. Okay. I started this book thinking, look, I'm really self-aware. You know, I got this. And then I started doing some research and I'm like, oh God, only like 10% of people are actually self-aware. <laughs> Do I really think I'm in the top 10%? Right. <laughs> so now I'm puzzled by that. Well, now it's going to be my journey to self-awareness or my experiment with self-awareness. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be interesting, but there's, you know, pages of research and so many people talking about this and to be able to add to the conversation what's what does that look like that's what i'm trying to figure out
but Very I'm excited cool. to, to figure it out. Yeah. Sounds like a great project. Well, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation, Emily. Where can we find you? Where can people reach out to chat if they want to get in touch? Yeah, so you can find me at my website, which is thepocketphd.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Emily Crookston. You could easily find me there. And The Pocket PhD is on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Well, we've really enjoyed the conversation today, Emily. Thank you so much. Everybody, this is the LeapFrog Collective Podcast. This is episode number four. Next week, we have episode number five with Nisha Frazier. Really excited to talk to her. She's got a really interesting approach to branding, which I think you'll all enjoy hearing about. Make sure to uh, check out the podcast on Fridays, publishes every Friday on the Leapfrog Collective website and on all your favorite podcast outlets. Thanks. Have a great week.